All right, welcome to another episode of our IA podcast. This is your co-host Kevin Dagger and current president of IA, and I have with me my co-host Quen. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. And on this episode, we're going to bring to you everything we possibly can with MCQ integration, system integration, step one integration, and how SGU prepares term five students after their first module of MNI. Um, preparing for step, we have with us Dr. Colius. You guys are all well aware of who he is by now in term five. He is the professor of pharmacology, micro and path, and he has given us a lot of good insight and advice really on how we can prepare for step one. And we've had an in-depth conversation with him on how we can tackle MCQs and really start to prepare ourselves on the integration that MBME and step one and ultimately our patients will expect from us. So uh, thank you for listening. And we have a lot of information to give you on this one. All right, sweet. We're back on. Okay. All right. So I, I kind of wanted to share my my experience with you back in term four. Um, so when you, when you were mentioning before in BPM one, kind of you gave me a lot of nostalgia because I started thinking to myself, like, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. The first thing that I noticed when um, I came into term one, especially after FTM, the Foundations to Medicine, and we started the MSK module and the CPR module, was that we had a lecture every day, and then. Mm-hmm. I was online during MS1, so it was a little easier to manage the schedules. I don't have to get up and go to be uh, small groups and be physically present. I can just do everything from home. So I had the luxury of being able to uh, work Monday through Friday, treat it like a job. And on the weekends, I would use that to kind of put everything together. So just kind of study everything Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, do a bunch of questions. And then I would notice the integration that we discussed before in in, uh, MS2. And I started putting everything together and it all started to make sense. And then when I came to the island for term three and, you know, we did the micro, the immune and the ethics, I still kind of had that mindset where like the MCQs and the practice questions, yeah, there was some integration, but a lot of it was like, what's one plus one for this specific subject. And then moving on to term four with FTCM, uh, Foundations of Clinical Medicine, it was kind of like setting up the foundation again, like, all right, here's the basic path. Here's the basic micro. Here's some basic on all the pharmacology. And then it didn't really start until I guess we got into uh, CRH or yeah, the cardio renal system. And CRS, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. And at that point, at that point, when it was just like the cardio and we did the path and we did the farm and the micro with the backbone of like the basic sciences of the anatomy and the phys and the biochemistry. Um, when <laughs> when we had your MCQ session and I thought it was just gonna be straight up pharmacology. And I started reading the vignettes and I'm like, there's path in this vignette. <laughs> there's micro vignette. I, well, and- I mean, in, 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 I, I totally understand what you're saying. And it, it was uh, a, a farm question, right? It's just, um, I wanted to kind of bring to the attention to the students that this is things that you've seen before, right? But you have seen this before. Um, and I'm, I, like I said earlier when we we're talking, we're not doing it just to be mean to the students or just to like frustrate them and, and, and make them angry. Um, we're trying to help them take one thing and another thing and put it together, right? In the end is a pharmacology question, but uh, as you're gonna have a, a, a patient, right? Uh, in, in, in the future, you have to see other pathophysiological signs as well in order to get to the right treatment, right? So 
like I was saying earlier, you know, slowly we start bringing things together. We start integrating them. And um, I understand. I understand the the the, the frustration from the students sometimes is uh, because, you know, in year one, it's kind of like discipline by discipline. Okay, this is physio. This is, and I know things, uh, and I know students do get uh, because I used to teach BPM one. Uh, do have problems in uh, cardio cardio renal uh, physiology, especially which is a, a a lot more thinking, a lot of more putting things together, just uh, than pure regurgitation of you know the musculocutaneous uh, nerve goes to the biceps, right, etc. So it's uh, we're trying to urge the students slowly to start integrating, right, and. It's it's not going to happen from one day to another. It takes a long time to uh, to make yourself think multidimensional when it comes to medicine, right? But it has to start somewhere, right? Uh, now, last time it, it, it happened to start with pharmacology, right? Mm. It's but this is how it's going to be. You know, it's not the all we try to train the students to think as 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 doctor as as future doctors we treat them as future doctors right uh, all the students that i have personally i don't see them as students i see them as future uh, what we decide all of us to do to become doctors is for a, a main reason to help people and we need to be as prepared as possible because the stakes are big right you're going to have patients you're going to have uh, patients that need your help. You know, a wrong treatment or a wrong diagnosis can have detrimental effects, right? We tend to lose uh, this, um, this uh, way of thinking just because we're so buried into our studies and try to do well and pass the course and, you know, get good grades and pass the step. But we have to, to look at the ultimate goal. And the integration is, 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 the, is the biggest part of it. And it has to start somewhere. Right. And slowly, you know, if you look at those CRS questions now, right, you'd be like, okay, that makes sense. That made sense after the IMC, because that's what a lot of students were telling me. It's like, yeah, it makes sense. It's just that's the pathology, that's the pharmacology. You know, instead of telling us that the patient has heart failure, you just described it for us or you gave us a a slide, you know. So just try to bring everything together. It has to happen, um, but it will be beneficial in the future. Yeah, and that's what I've told a lot of a lot of my friends who um, kind of still have like not a negative approach toward, towards it, but like I've been doing board questions since term three, but the, I'm not doing it on random, of course, but I'll look for questions that pertain to the content that we're currently doing. And that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. So just kind of get that early exposure and just kind of really strengthen. And the first thing that I noticed was if the board question wants you to understand the pathology of Huntington disease, they're not going to tell you the patient has Huntington disease. They're going to give you the symptomology and then you yourself have to diagnose the patient. And I've noticed that they do that a lot in board questions. And that's realistic. Realistically speaking, that's how I guess you start to train your mind to start thinking like a physician. And when I spoke to Dr. Clunes, she had told me about a student who would t- go to exam day dressed up in a suit and in his head, the student was thinking, well, each of the vignettes that I'm reading are technically a case. And if I'm a doctor, I got to read the vignette like a, like, like a doctor and I got to, 
treat the patient like a doctor and answer the question like a doctor. So that helped them get into that mindset. So your MCQ and CRS, when I first, when, when I first did that MCQ, I mean, I'll be extremely honest with you. I, I think I got every single question wrong, but it wasn't that I didn't know the material It's that I, I knew like if I took the vignette and I broke it up into pieces, like this is the path, this is the fizz, this is the farm. I understand it. But then putting it all together, despite me doing board questions pre still kind of made me realize like, oh, wow. Okay. I have a lot of work to do. I need to, I need to strengthen my mind and being able to put everything together and integrate it. So I think doing that early on in term four and then carrying term four throughout that, having like going through term four with that mentality of like, I need to start integrating all these systems, stop isolating everything one by one, I think really helps like students step up and level up to start preparing for step. Cause that's what step expects from us. And Correct. towards the end of term four, when we would get MCQ sessions where the professors would write not vague vignettes, but they'll write vignettes that make you think really hard. Um, I was like, this is a great question. This is, this is beautiful. Like you're not holding my hand. You're making me work for the diagnosis. You're making me work for the path. You're making me work for the appropriate treatment. And that's how patients are going to present themselves essentially, you know? Correct. And, 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 and Kevin, you're making a, a great point here. Now, um, I understand, like, if you take a, every student and you just test them on, on, on a different discipline, I'm sure everybody is very, very good at it, if you just ask them that, right? Uh, and this is, this is what makes these uh, IMCQs or, or, you know, USMLE step questions harder, is because they're trying to make you think, taking all those things that you know and try to put them together. Because you know all those things. It's not that you don't know them, right? Is is you know them. The hard part is to combine them together and get an overall picture. And that thing that you said, and it's funny because I also mentioned it uh, in, in class as well. I say, look at those questions and think of them as your patient. Mm. Right? Don't, don't see them as just questions to get a point. Right. I, I, I try uh, or not. I try pretty much all, all the IMCQs that I, I personally give that come from clinical cases, real clinical uh, patient scenarios. Right. Uh, so they are things that you will see in one way or another in the future. Right. Especially if you go into like uh, residency. Family medicine. Right. So real case scenarios, these things have, ha have happened. And, you know, I, I do uh, when I want to create a question and I'm not trying uh, intentionally to make it hard. I'm trying to be like, OK, if a patient has this, like I will take a concept that I, I, I believe it's very important for the students to know. And I will look for different case scenarios or different ways it can be presented to the students. So if they understand the concept, right, even if the same patient comes with the same disease, same symptomatology, same treatment, right, or, or different disease that requires the same treatment, you will be able to identify that because you have understood the concept behind it. There are certain things that... Uh, you must know and you know we emphasize those and we put them in clinical scenarios and then we try to combine them with di different disciplines like uh, like you mentioned earlier like microbiology uh, uh, pathology pathophysiology etc and the interesting you know, part too sorry go ahead. one of the critical things that i think this really builds on this integration is 
the skill of critical reading is very key here because when you're given an integrated question of, okay, here's pathology, here's some physiology, here's their lab values, you as a reader, you have to digest it all. Not only that, but you have to interpret it all. You have to internalize it and be able to answer the specific question they're asking you towards the end. So the tool that I kind of strategized and developed during my dedicated is, well, okay, let me start with the answers. Let me see what the question's leading to. Now, when I go into the vignette, I can now pick apart those key details that I might have overmissed because if I started with the vignette, I'm reading this thing as a paragraph, as a story. I'm trying to memorize certain things. I'm going back to find things I missed and it becomes a mess. But critical reading, I think when you're dealing with integrated questions, is so critical and it's so easily overlooked because as you know, students and as med students, I think we're so focused on what's the right answer? What do I need to know? How do I answer this the easiest and move on in my 72 seconds? But sometimes slowing down and just reading the question and interpreting it is the best way Correct. to get the right answer. Oh, yeah. And this morning, this morning I was doing a couple of questions on uh, USMLE RX because yesterday I did a DLA on schist, uh, I can't never really pronounce it correctly, schistomania. It's like the the, the parasite, you know, the egg, you know, that you get from a snail. Yeah, the and, egg. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the S Mansani causes like hepatosplenomegaly and portal hypertension. And when I read the board question, they presented the symptomology. They were like, you know, a patient comes in, they were in a warm, they were, they were swimming in a lake and now they're complaining of abdominal pain. And then on physical exam, they find, they don't, they don't tell you the patient has a hepatosplenomegaly. They give actual physical exam findings. Not only that, sometimes they will tell you like, uh, oh, it's, it's three centimeters or five centimeters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, <laughs> like, you know, the, the the and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And then you have to be like, okay, what's the normal one? Should it yeah. be, you know, the coastal margin? You yeah. know, so. so I'm reading I'm reading the vignette and I'm like, okay, so the patient clearly has a paddle There's portal hypertension going on. and But the question, the question was, what's uh, what's a complication of this presentation? And I'm reading it. And I'm like, this has to be S. Mansani because he has hepatospinomegaly. Um, he was swimming in a lake. He has eosinophils in his lab findings. But the mm-hmm. option choices is what completely threw me off because the answer choices were like um, diarrhea, hematomesis. And I started thinking and thinking and thinking. I'm like, okay, so if the patient has portal hypertension, he's likely to develop esophageal varices which right. is likely to rupture and cause uh, bleeding and like, you know, hematomesis. Yeah. So the correct, the correct answer was hematomesis, but I'm like, you, so you see, so when you read the DLA, they, you understand it at a superficial level or like a deep level, like, okay, this is what the bug is going to cause. But the board question is making you think critically, like Quen said, what's a complication of all these symptoms? Exactly. How it's bringing back things that I learned in term four during GI, mm-hmm. that if you have esophageal varices, you're going to throw up a bunch of blood. And I thought that was Absolutely. so cool. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. wow, look at that. And, and, and uh, this is, uh, you know, this is what we're trying to make the students uh, see, right? And, and try to get into that uh, uh, mode of thinking. Now, I, I want to make a comment on, uh, on Quentin's um, thing about the questions, right? I understand, uh, yes, some, in some questions, you might want to read the questions first. In some of them, you might want to read the, you might want to read the last sentence. However, this is a double-edged sword. It's going to be a double-edged mm-hmm. sword sometimes. Because um, once you read the, the, the last sentence where the question is, you type question, um, by reading the last sentence should not tell you anything about the patient. Like, it, you must read the whole question to understand what the patient has. 
right? This is, and, and I've been writing questions, USMLE style questions for many years. And this is one of the most important things. Now, first order questions, yeah, you can pretty much answer the question just by reading the last sentence, right? And this is why kind of you were presented uh, in year one, right? You could just read the, the last sentence 80%, 70% of the times, and you can answer the question. And I have seen that carry over to year two, right? And sometimes it can cause wrong diagnosis or wrong treatment because once you read the last sentence, you're already biased in your head what to look for in the mm -hmm. question. Now, sometimes that might work, but sometimes it might not work because your brain is automatically biased of you know, you have three, four differentials in your head and you try to confirm those three, four differentials. So you may skip things along the way, you know, um, not because you, it, it because, it's, it's because your, your mind's already set on certain things. So as you'll see the difference between year one questions and year two questions and board questions and USMLE questions, uh, what's important is to read the whole stand. Quentin, I 100% agree with you and try to highlight the important points, right? Uh, once you highlight the important points, in, in, in the beginning, you're gonna highlight the whole question because you will think the whole question, <laughs> that everything in the question is important. But the more practice that you, that you do, you will learn to pick up and just highlight just the important things. Now, why is that good? And why doing a lot of practice questions is very helpful. Because you train your brain, according to the knowledge that you have in different disciplines, to pick up those details. Let's say in the, in the end, you don't have the diagnosis because the question is extremely hard, right? But you have highlighted the important things because you can have questions that are really, really long, right? Now, it's not going to, it's going to, you're going to waste time just by trying to read the whole question again. But if you have done a good job on your first pass and highlighting the important things, you can just look all the pertinent positives and pertinent negatives that you have, have highlighted, and then you don't have to reread the whole question. You know what's important, and then you go by that only, right? Yes, sometimes you might have to read the answers to kind of figure out what they're trying to ask you. But regardless, if on your first pass, you have done a good job of picking up the important key points that will make your diagnosis or will um, put that diagnosis out of the window, right? By then by looking at the answer choice, be like, okay, that's what they're that's what they're looking for, right? But it's very, very important to read the question carefully, right? Take your time, like you said, critical think uh, critically think about it. Try at the meantime to make a diagnosis if you can. Most of the times you will be. Um, and then it should be straightforward from that. Yeah, some questions are harder than the other. Some are second order, some are first order, some are third order, some are fourth order, right? But if you have a way of attacking those questions altogether, there's not gonna be a problem in the end because every question is trying to test a concept, right? That is important. So the the... The way of thought of let me read the last question for every question is not beneficial at this point of time, right? Because in Quentin, you you can you can you know vouch for that because you've been doing dedicated 
Like you see your U-world questions just by reading the last question. Can you really say what the patient is going on? Hardly ever. <laughs> 95, 90. I would, I, would, I would not say 99. I would say 95. 95% of the, of the times you can't, right? Yeah, maybe you can have a quick look at the answers. Uh, personally, I just try to, um, and this is my way of, of, of studying when I was a student. I was trying to just make the diagnosis and, you know, read have all the relevant things in my head and then just be like, okay, this is pharmacology, this, 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 or this can happen, or this pathology, this, 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 or this can happen. So when you go to the answer choices, you already kind of have an idea of what you're looking for. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that I've noticed using a lot of resources like AMBOSS, USMLE RX, First Aid, and now you wrote, is that sometimes these, these Uh, I guess, like nitpicky things in, in overall categories. So for example, when we looked at the lecture material and we were, we taught, we were taught vancomycin, we were given the adverse effects of vancomycin and the, the adverse effects of vancomycin fall in line with the adverse effects that first aid mentions, falls in line with the board questions that USMLE RX would write. And then it falls in line with the board questions that I've seen on UROAD thus far. So I feel okay. comfortable with the adverse, the adverse effects of vancomycin. Then I go on AMBOSS and I do a board question on vancomycin and they're like, oh, uh, so of course, board style, giving you uh, a clinical presentation, you have to come up with the bacteria that's causing the symptomology. And then they don't tell you it's vancomycin, but you're getting an idea that it is vancomycin. And then they ask you, what's the adverse effect the patient's likely to experience? And the answer choice was alter sense of taste. And I'm like, what, what is this? And dysgeusia. And then they give you the adverse effects and they're like, there are, here are all the adverse effects that we covered in class, that we covered in first day, that we covered in Euro, that we covered on USMLE RX, but AMBOSS decides to throw in dysgeusia as an adverse effect. And I'm just like- Which one? Dysgeusia, dysgeusia, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's altered sense of taste. Oh, okay. Right, so and now in my head, I'm like, okay, so obviously I'm not gonna worry about that so much because I did not see this adverse effect in our lecture material, in first aid, in USMLE RX, in UROLD, but AMBOSS decides to write a question on this one adverse effect that seemed really rare to every other right. content. So now we have students who are going after MNI, who, um, like, well, for me, for example, I'm sticking to the lecture material to know what I need to study for step one. But we have students who are going to these Q banks like Kaplan or AMBOSS or any other Q bank, and they're using their their step one schedule and they're using their resources but do, don't you think at some point you might be like is there a fine line between overwhelmed under preparing mm -hmm. yeah exactly because then like for example let's say let's say let's say i weren't that type of let's say i'm not this type of student and i go oh wow look at emboss they mentioned that dyskinesia is an adverse effect and they made it a board question that seems to be high yield su doesn't know what they're doing first aid doesn't know what they're doing usmle rx or euro doesn't know what they're doing because emboss said it's dyskinesia you know, so what, what would you tell a student who, like, I guess, try to just understand, like, I guess every 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 Q bank or all these external resources have their own approach on how to handle step one. But it's like, you know, like right. we came to SU, SU knows what they're doing. I'm not being biased. They know what they're doing. All the students that we spoke to so far on the podcast have said nothing but great things about SGU's preparation for step one. We trust you, world. We trust first aid. If it's not mentioned on there, don't stress it. Correct. Don't worry yourself. Correct. Um, I uh, this is what I have to tell you with uh, uh, Q banks, and I agree. Uh, U World, I think, 
it's top. Then you have USMLE RX, you have PASTES. Some questions are okay in PASTES, some, some are really good. Um, the Some people that write questions for question banks, they're just trying to find this one thing that is never mentioned anywhere else. And they just try to make a question out of it just for the sake of making a question. When you're making a question, you have to take it kind of patriotically, as I say. It's like you write the question not because you want to make the question hard, because you want the students to benefit from it. Now, when we're talking about the, the example that you gave, I don't know who wrote the question or why they wrote the question, but what's the and that's what I want to tell to the students, critically thinking. If you have 10 sources that tell you this the same thing, basically, all those 10 question marks that tell you this the same thing, and they test that same thing. And you have one question from a question bank that tests the same drug, but it has an adverse event, you never heard of it, it's most likely not that important, right? And, and, and you have to understand, these people that, that, that write questions are getting paid to write questions. So, you know, in the end, you know, you have to deliver to get paid. Now, you have to be, you have to be critically thinking, right? You've done 10 different question banks, and this is pretty much what you're going to get with mycomycin, autotoxicity, nephrotoxicity, red man, redneck syndrome, you know, somewhere in that spectrum, you will see, or, you know, infusion-related injury, uh, infusion-related, like the uh, red man, redneck syndrome, dress syndrome, or some type of variation of that. All of them kind of move into the same spectrum. Now, okay, yeah, you're going to find some questions. I have found I can handpick them, not more than five, I would say, right now. Right? Yeah. It will happen. It will happen in your NBME. There will be some questions that you have no idea what they're talking about. Is there a way that you can prepare for those type of questions? You know, like no, obviously as students, we try to we try to study for the things that are the most important thing. And, and of course, that can that might be a cavalier type of mentality to have. But you know, of course, we all want to we all want to do well. So we go in with the mentality of like, what do I need to know? What's the most high yield thing? But then again, it can becoming it can become overwhelming when you start seeing little nitpicky questions, nitpicking little tiny details, and you're just like, oh man, I didn't know that. And now I gotta know it. How do you manage that type of like, I guess, pressure, you know? Um you have to, okay. So I will I will be uh I, I will stay on the example that you gave for vancomycin, right? Just because we just talked about it. What I would do if I was a student and in any other question that you pretty much know what's going on, uh, let's do, let's say pharmacology, right? Uh, you know, like uh, vancomycin has all those uh, aminoglycosides have the same thing, concentration dependent killing, autotoxicity, you know, nephrotoxicity, and all those things. Now, if you find questions here and there that mention something that does not correlate even a little bit with the material that you have learned. Because it could be a correlation with something that you have already learned. Then just take it a step further. Hmm. Let's just go into a little bit more detail. Now, if you find something that it has never ever mentioned before, I would just mark it and be and, and, and have like a like a folder with all the marked questions, right? And they could just go and review them. Yeah, yeah. Like this right? is all the so, because <laughs> think about it. Uh, 
if, if there is something, uh, because now you, you don't only study hard, you also study smart. And if you know everything about the aminoglycosides and about, you know, vancomycin, daptomycin and everything, you have seen it multiple times and they're pretty much under the same umbrella of different sources, right? And then you find something that is on the side. Okay, yeah, let me just put it on the side. They mention that I can review it later. You don't want to spend too much time, right? Uh, doing all the research about it and, you know, finding two, three articles that they mention that. It's it's counterproductive. Yeah, you put it on the side. Let's say you you have the answers in your world and you have the explanation. Just do that and move forward. Because obviously it's not going to be a high yield thing to know, right? If you see it once in 30 questions or 50 questions about the same topic. Yeah, I guess yeah, we just fall into the trap of like wanting to know everything. So when we get that one nitpicky yeah. question, we tend to lose it. Yes, it's very frustrating. I know. It's very, very frustrating. Uh, I would I would suggest, you know, one, while you're doing study, just mark it, be like, okay, I saw this question or I saw this concept that I haven't covered on, you know, pathology, in uh, cardiac pathology. Let me just write it there. And I know when I do my studying, I know exactly where to go and review it at the same time, right? So you actively searching for it, you're actively reviewing it, then you won't forget it. So you add another thing into your memory. But, you know, getting frustrated uh, because of something that you have never seen before, and there will be times like that, is how you approach it. I'd be like, okay, I have never seen that before. This doesn't make sense. This is weird. But let me finish what I'm required to do and then just have that on the side and I can go review it later. And maybe it'll make sense mm. then. Right. Yeah, I'm the kind of student where if I see a concept that I never recognized before, I'm like, okay, I'm going to burn it into my mind. I hope to not get it wrong again. If I get it wrong second time, that's when I dial it back and say, what am I missing here? And then I might refer back to a first aid or an alternative source. Perfect. And for me, it's like, you know, we're human. I know we're we're trying to make our brains an encyclopedia, but you know, if we were to know every single thing about every single topic and be like AMBOSS, which is, I think, what me and Kevin consider the med school encyclopedia, um, we, our brains would be right. a super genius. And it's it's a tough thing to try to, to, try to conquer. And I be, believe me when I say there are days in my dedicated where I'm just not hitting it on New World. And I just like, you know what? Close it down. Let me go to the gym. And let me try and get a max right. real quick and just get that frustration out. But <laughs> those days happen and it's frustrating, but as students, we're human and we're not going to know it all. And that's, I think, something we're trying no. to tackle. Um, when, you have, when you have different question banks, right, like Ambos, you were, you also have to think there's a little bit of competition between them as well. You have to look at the business side as well. So. It's question bank is trying to bring something more and more and more and more and more and more that necessarily you might not need for step one. You might probably learn it for step two, or you learn it in your clinicals or even learn your residency, right? Mm -hmm. You have to think a little bit about everything. You just have to look at things and, and, and take them, okay, I know this is important. I have seen it. It has been tested, you know. Uh, Dr. Corias told me that is important because I do look at question banks too. I do look at past NBMEs. I do look at past USMLE questions. I kind of 
I have a good idea of what's going on and what's been asked, right? So you take everything that is presented to you and you can critically make a decision. All right, is this a primary thing for me to learn? Or is it just more like a, you know, okay, I've known everything else, let me do this one too. Don't let things that, you know, that don't seem important make them important just because everybody tells you you have to know everything. Hey, yeah, there's some things that you have to know, but critically thinking will prioritize each and every one of them. You got to know how to pick your battles. That's definitely the thing I struggle with the most. And I think as something that I struggle with, you know, someone going through dedicated and you being a question writer and having gone in our shoes through the standardized testings is test taking stamina. And I'm slowly trying to increase that a lot. So do you have any suggestions for that or any yes. motivation for our Absolutely, dedication? absolutely. And, and this was, I actually wanted to bring this up and, and I'm glad uh, you brought it up. Stamina is plays a big part of your exams, considering step one and step two, right? So it's very, very important to, um, you know, let's say do those or dedicate one day to do a full exam. Now one day you have to like to do the NBMEs and to do uh, those long hour uh questions with the breaks and everything. Try to simulate the actual day as many times as possible before you take the step. So this is what I suggest to all the students. We finished with basic sciences, now we're moving to the step study. You doing your world questions, you know, I assume every day, right? Some of them. Um, slowly start doing a block, but do it timed. You'll see that your scores will drop. Let's say you've been get consistently getting 80s, you start doing a time block, you'll get a 50. And you'll be like, I know this stuff. Why did I get a 50? You, you got a 50 because it's the time that stresses you out. Like you have to finish and you have to build the stamina, right? Then, you know, slowly you do the time questions, uh, the, the tutor mode on time, you review them and everything. But then, you know, the first week, maybe I'll do one block time to see how I do, right? Then you start adding another block. You do one block, timed, right? You take a break of 10 minutes that you're going to take on step one. You do another block and see how you do it. In the beginning, it doesn't matter if you do bad, right? This gets you into the habit of doing questions under time constraint, right? So you know at which point you have to move forward to the next question, right? Okay, I spent too much time on this question. Let me mark it, I'll move back. Because when, this, when step one comes, it's gonna be an eight hour exam. You have to build stamina up to that point. And this starts slow, right? It's like the gym comparison that I gave you earlier. You do one block time, right? Then you review it, make sure you know all the material and concept that are covered in that block. Then you start adding another block, right? And further down, you start adding three blocks time with 10 minutes break between, then four, then five, right? Then you do the, then you do an NBME. Then you do, let's say five, six blocks, like it's gonna be on test day. 
right? So before you go in, you kind of know what to expect. You have experienced the fatigue, you have experienced the frustration throughout, but you have built up your stamina before the exam. And that's very, very important. What to do? Oh. Uh, to do it at least one time before the step one. Let's say you're planning on a Sunday to take, you have all your blocks and you're pl planning to take the step. I would wake up like you're waking up on the day of the exam. I will drive to the center when you're supposed to take the exam, right? You need to know you need to know the way to the test center. You need to know alternate ways. Let's say something, let's say an accident happened that day, right? You don't want to get stressed while you're going to take the actual step if something happens. Not what something happens, there's an accident on the road and you're late. You need to know alternative ways to go, right? You need to be able, you need to simulate that exact same day. I know it sounds kind of <laughs> kind of funny, but it does play a role into your psychological um uh into your cycle, right then what do you do okay let's say you drive to the center you know alternate ways right um then you go back to your house you go into your room and you start doing as you were in the test center one block five minutes break 10 minutes break eat i don't know take a have a coffee or a pre-workout or whatever you know then the next one then the next one then the next one then the next one so you have actually put your body through the test day, right? Because the fatigue is, uh, you, you might know all the material, but if you don't have the energy and the stamina to go through it, it's going to be counterproductive to you. Because in the end, I mean, I remember when I took my steps, like in the last blog, I was like, oh my God, I just want to finish it. There were some questions, I just, just clicked. Right. So, but if you have trained yourself throughout and you have to start slowly, but you have to be consistent and start adding more things, then your body is ready to go uh, through the day of the actual exam. So it's a very, very good point. It's not only the material that you know, it's also being able to stay for eight hours and be 100% focused and concentrated, right? Because you can stay for eight hours, but you also need to be 100% focused and concentrated. Mm -hmm. So oh, yeah. great point, Quentin. Now, you can simulate that day or you cannot simulate it. I, you know, it's up to you. Um, in, if you're in a different uh, state, let's say, uh, you have to know where to go, where to be. You know, just, just kind of be familiar with the environment. But I would suggest definitely to, you know, have days when you take the NBMEs timed, right? So in the beginning, I guarantee you, your scores will drop, but that's okay. You're, you're working on your stamina there. You're not working for the notice. Then you're going you're gonna to figure out how much effort you have to put on each question and then you to move forward. So you can, you're just kind of training yourself for every factor, not just being able to perform well on the exam, but also being able to perform well physically. Emotionally. Oh, absolutely. It's a big, big part. Strength and everything around. I mean, you take three hours exam, three hour exams here, I understand, but it's a three hours and then it's done. Remember, I have to do that three times. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it may, all the students that are, that are, that are studying for step is very, very important to do it in, in, in time.
uh, under time constraints uh, progressively as they move towards the end of the step. Cool. So, Dr. Colius, now with MN9 to an end, I think next week, after that, we go into CPRH module. Um, I think that's when I guess a lot of us start to freak out a little bit because we try to, uh, at least from my perspective, I want to put all my faith and trust into SGU's syllabus on how we prepare and how SGU prepared the step one review blocks like CPRH, Goer and stuff. And to me, I, I never really wrapped my mind around how I would just focus on SGU, take the exams, finish term five, go home take what a week off and then go right into dedicated studying time to me that just kind of seems a little redundant um but again that's just my own personal opinion on it what i want to do is as soon as mni is over i want to put my faith and trust into the syllabus that sgu designed that's going to prepare us for step user resources so for example if i'm doing cardio questions and i just can't get down the anti-rhythmic drugs you best believe i'm going to email you and say dr coleus i need crisis management i need you to help me Correct. figure out Rhythmics, but I don't need it in a terms of like a lecture. I need it like I just need to know it for step, you know. And, and and I and I want to have that luxury. I and I and I want to grab a microphone and scream it across campus, and that we have our resources on campus. So when I see students go into group chats and say, "Oh yeah, I have the AMBOS schedule. I have the USMLERX schedule." I'm like, "What about the SGU schedule? You know, we right. still we still have to pass SGU." But exactly. How how can we pass SGU while also preparing for step one? You know, correct. Uh, and this uh, this schedule has uh, has been created, uh, taking into consideration different factors, and you know, the curriculum committee comes together. You know, the the members of pathophysiology, pharmacology, pathology, we all come together, and we say, okay, how are we gonna do this schedule? That kind of has a very nice flow that is also that also prepares you not only for the exams, but also gives you a very good foundation to move forward when you're studying for step. Right. So yeah, CPR rates um starts first. You know, all these systems are very closely correlated, not with CPR rates, but you know, with the rest of the, the modules. Um, so there is a there is a kind of a of a flow, right? And for example, Cardiovascular drugs, right? For CPRAs, I would do the cardiovascular drugs this time, right? Because you have seen my lectures, right? Last term. And what I'm going to try to do is with the one lecture, bring everything together, not only uh, of the antiarrhythmics, but also for the, you know, hyper antihypertensive drugs, heart failure drugs, et cetera. So just kind of give you an overview what we have already gone through, but just concise it even more, right? Uh, compacted, so you will be able to integrate it even easier while you're doing your patho your pathophysiology, et cetera. So you kind of have an overall picture. So we have put a lot of work and uh, the, going back and forth with the curriculum committee, making adjustments, changing the 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 lecture powerpoints, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for the rest of PCM2 for that reason, for the students to be able to follow that. Because, yeah, Ambos and, you know, other sources, they have their own schedule. But like you said, it's very important to follow the schedule of SGU, right? 
And this is not only done because those systems just come together and uh, they make it cool. And no, there is there is a method behind it because that flow that will uh, present to you and that will put you uh, in the ways of integrating things because cardiopulmonary, renal, hematology, right? All those things closely related. Something goes wrong with the heart. Something goes wrong with the kidney. Something goes wrong with the pulmonary system. They're all, and you have to think in those ways. So we kind of put you into the right path, right? You have a good foundation, and then there's time for step, right? You know what you don't know. You want to study that early, right? And and then you adjust your schedule. We kind of give you guidance of how 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 to do this, right? There is a method behind the madness that 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 student thing. There is follow the schedule of SGU. Um, I know some students don't like to do it on their own. I would not suggest it. Follow the schedule. All the faculty is available to help you, right? And uh, we do have. Um, themed office hours for disciplines. I'm actually very proud to say that uh, this term, the collaboration between all the different departments has been amazing. And like I said, I'm not only farm, you know, I'm micro, I talk with pathophys, I talk with pathology, we all work together to try to make this experience better for you. But, you know, sometimes you 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 have to trust us. Because we don't do things willy-nilly. There is there is a, a methodology and there is a behind the piece to turn after and get easier for you to study first step at the same time. Yeah, that's why I agree with what you said earlier about how like I guess throughout this portion of term five, where we're going into review, start doing questions, familiarize yourself with the integration, be prepared for anything they can throw at you from any discipline. Even though you think the vignette is specifically targeting pathology, they may ask you an anatomy question in the very end. Um, and then like, I guess when you're, when I'm, when, when I'm done with term five, I've, I'll already have generated a list of like, all right, these are my strengths. I'm really good. I know what one plus one is but this is a list of my weaknesses. Like I just couldn't figure out GI path or I couldn't figure out cardio path. So when and I go, it happens. Home, it's okay. It's okay. And then, so, so for when I go, my time would be structured. At least the schedule would be structured around the weaknesses that SGU helped me expose versus exactly. if I just get through term five, go home, start my own dedicated block and then expose my weaknesses during dedicated time. At that point, I, I'm telling you, if you um, if you're five and you need to go, there's so much material that we have that if you don't know exactly where you stand, it's it's very very overwhelming, right? So that's why that's why it's important to follow the schedule that Centers University gives you. And I'm not saying you cannot use other sources. You can use other sources, right? Uh, let's say you don't like a lecturer. That happens. You don't like the professor or you don't like the way he teaches or she teaches, right? That's fine. Use a different source, but use that source on that material. 
right? Yeah, for sure. So do you there think might be possible? some lectures that you love? Listen to them. You know, it's, the the notes are there. The, the the material is there. Now you want to use other sources. Try to maybe understand it a little better. Yeah, use the material that you're studying, not for not to study something else. Because first and foremost is you have to follow Sanders University schedule. I mean, it, in the end, it is what it is. Right, uh, and we always welcome to feedback, and that's why we have, you know, the SGA, and that's we have, you know, m members of the IA always come back with with great feedback, and we have a great consideration. And sometimes we implement, sometimes we're like, okay, maybe this is not going to work, maybe it's a good idea, but it's actually will not work. I mean, we'll tell you, we'll give you the feedback, um, but it has. There is a methodology behind it, and just follow it. And, and once you finish PCM two, you have a pretty good idea where you stand. So, do you think it's possible, though? Like hypothetically speaking, if I'm going through the review blocks after M and I, um, and all the material I'm and at the same time, I'm generating a list of weaknesses that I know I'm going to structure a schedule around when I go home for dedicated. My dedicated period is not going to be, let me review everything. Rather, I'm going to review my weaknesses. Would I be able to do that? But sometimes, like, can I pass five? You know, like, I, I, that's, I think that's something that students have. Like, yesterday, I held our IEAs and when I talked about the requirements about how you need to finish term five with a 90% WFPG and above, to maintain your IA status, I kind of saw the worry in a lot of the term five students. And even I felt the worry myself. Like I want to focus on step. I want to pass step, but at the same time, I want to pass SGU. I want to, I want to use a syllabus to expose my weaknesses, but I still want to pass with over 90%, you know? And right. like, is, is, is it, is that feasible? It is feasible. It is feasible. But, but, but like I said, you have to, yes, you need to study for step. Yes, step is coming, but step is coming after, right? Is the foundation and the framework to make step studying easier for you on your alone time because we give you methods of how to approach things, right? And we give you that early, so you don't have to figure it out on your own and, and, and waste time figuring out on your own. Yes, you can still pass PCM two and you know with a ninety percent, but you just have to follow the schedule. For example, if you're doing C if, if you're in the CPRH module and you're studying endocrine and gastrointestinal, that's not oh, that's not feasible. Yeah. Now I would suggest to try. Uh, I would try and study and learn as as much as you can in this time that is given to you, right? Uh, for every different module. Now, in the end, then you will have a good idea of the things that you don't know, right? Those you can attack early on your step study. Schedule is so full, right? And overwhelming as you have, you're gonna have the hospital visits, you're gonna have your small groups, you're gonna have all those things, right? So, don't try to add more stress to what you already have, right? Focus on the syllabus, focus on the material that is given to you. You want to use outside sources, use them to learn what is provided to you.
right? Mm -hmm. Don't try to make it even more um, stressful, right? Use the question banks that you have to solidify your knowledge and test yourself on the material that you have been given. And that will also increase your knowledge on different concepts. And then you do that with every module, right? Now, to start studying now for the step, it will be counterproductive, right? You, you like for the actual step, you're doing step prep. You're putting everything under an umbrella and you're given a certain flow, right? And when you finish it, you will see how much more you know and how much different you will approach medicine in general because all the integration right now comes together more than you have ever seen so far right so things will start actually make sense because the modules are made just for that reason for the medicine now to start making sense to you right so that's where everything comes together so don't see it all is so many different things i have to know no see it as like this is my opportunity for everything to come together and me understanding medicine. Yeah. Right. It will make you think on a different level. So don't just think, oh, I have the step in five months. No. Right now, focus on the different modules to bring everything together. You start getting into that mentality of integrating things because it's all integration now, because you're using all the different disciplines. Right. That is not just time MCQs, it's the material that you presented. You're actively trying to uh, to figure out things. They're not just given to you. You actually have the, this is the time we have to sit down and critically think about diseases, about treatments, about pathophysiology, you know, histopathology, etc. And that active thinking brings everything together. When you're done, you'd be like, oh, wow, yeah, okay, I'm pretty good at CPRS, but I think I, I have trouble in, you know, uh, okay, I know what I need to do for the step, right? Because this is, a, this is a step prep, but it has been formed or morphed in a way that, that gives you an actual guidance of how to do it. Because once you're gone, we cannot monitor you as much as we monitor you here, Yes. And the way we monitor you here is by giving you the material in such a way that will benefit you of learning medicine a lot better. So you mentioned before doing the questions to solidify what you know. I just remembered I was talking to my friend a while back and um, I had mentioned to her that as soon as I'm done with the lecture material and the content, for example, if we're learning about arrhythmics, right? Anti-arrhythmics. And then that day I immediately go and look for all the board questions on like AMBOSS and USMLE RX. And I just do the questions in my head. It always helped solidify what the, what the material will look like in a question and how right. it could, and how it, like I could, like what my expectations would be. And sometimes the, 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 the vignette will present that specific content in a manner that better than eating it. But like, do you think do you think that's biased in a way where, for example, if we're doing CPRH and then we're in the cardio specific uh, uh, sub block of that overall block, and then I'm reviewing all of cardio and then I want to strengthen and re-solidify my, my cardio knowledge. So I go and I tackle U-Road questions and boss questions, USMLE RX questions. Do you think it's biased because it's fresh in my head 
or if you have, now if you have the time to do all that kudos to you man because because you're seeing on a concept you're seeing a concept presented five different ways right and it's let's say you use five question banks on the same concept right uh and i also need to remind to the students that when you do a question doesn't matter if it's your world or rx or whatever one question equals five questions because there's mm -hmm. an average of five answers right you know the right answer right you know why but you also need to review why choice a c d and e are wrong and in which type of scenario they will be right so with one question you're basically doing five questions when you review it right you don't just be like oh yeah i got it right i move on I'll be like okay yeah i got it right because of this this and this now let me see why the other ones are wrong okay so it's a is wrong because you know, this is uh, this diuretic will not work on congestive heart failure, right? In what type of situation it will work? Yeah, it will work on hypertension. Boom, two concepts in your head now that you learn by one. Then you go with the next answer choice, answer choice, and the next answer choice. So doing questions takes time. The benefit in the end is amazing because you have studied so many different things. At the same time, I'm biased and like to like so. If we're learning, if I'm learning, I do questions you wrote and I turn the equal a hundred questions and I just review a day. Like that's, I guess it wouldn't. That's amazing, man. I, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, that's practice. That's practice of 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 everything you learn. You saw it in so many different ways. You know the concept. You you move forward. So. I, the concept can be presented to you, then you know what's important. You can pick up details and be like, yeah, this is about, you know, congestive heart failure. I know the drugs. I know the adverse effects of the drugs. I know which drugs I need to use as initial therapy or as a secondary therapy, right? Allows you to make the connections too. Yeah. yeah. So any, let's say, congestive heart failure question in pharmacology is given to you. There's so many different, there's so, not so many different, but there's so many ways you can write a question. And that's it. You can't just make things stuff up because they have to be correlated to an actual clinical scenario. You cannot just make stuff up. If you have done, you know, 50 questions on congestive heart failure, there's nothing else that they can ask you that you won't know. But you've done everything. There's so many ways. There's so the amount of ways that it can be presented to you is fixed. Yeah. yeah. Right. So the more exposure you'd get on it, I guess the more prepared you'd be. And that's how I always looked at it. When I study pathology and I look for the pathology board questions and I see how they're written, I'm like, okay, there's no way you can write this any other different way. This is it. Like I've seen it written multiple different ways. What's the biopsy feature? What's the histological feature? What's the idiopathogenesis? Like, okay, come on, I get it. Like exactly. It just prepares you for what you could expect. Exactly. Unless you have an exam writer who just writes a question with a crazy imagination that just throws you completely off. Well, you know what? Sometimes uh, you will get those, but it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not going to be the norm. Sometimes questions are placed there just because uh, they want the stats, right? Like experimental questions, right? 
and you don't know if if they are or not, but yeah, you're gonna see some questions that they're like three or four sentences long, and you'll be like, okay, what's going on here, man? Come on, seriously, like I don't know what this question has. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Right? Like, oh, I mean, yeah. the answer, the answer, like, okay, it'll be like, okay, maybe if I read the answer choice now, I can narrow it down. But your the answer choice is a little over the place. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what's going on. There has been a minute. What do you do? Let Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> what do you do? Market, click, and answer. And then you move on because you want to use, like, you don't want to use two, three minutes in a question that you have never seen before, never seen the choices before, or there are going to be questions like that, right? Mm. In, in every student, there is some type of material that will just not, they will forget. And there's and that's why I'm saying you know like the stamina and learn learn to to move forward is important because you're like come on man let me try to think let me try to think let me try to think and I think it may be this or I think I may be that and there's like a minute and a half two minutes that are gone by now that's against you because that time you could use it to questions that you already know and answer them on time like you took time from the from points two three points because you were trying to get that one point from that question oh yeah so you have to put your ego a little bit on the side and and, and be pragmatic and be like okay let me mark it i don't have no idea what it is let me go to the next one you know and then i'll come back and review it they're not going to be that many in a block right but there will be some don't be afraid right just click them then go back and review them right try to see what's going on and I think as med students, that's what we struggle with the most is like putting that ego aside. And honestly, now the one thing that I appreciate now about Grenada, uh, and not trying to shift gears here, uh, being in an environment where the stress is naturally lifted away from us is amazing. So I guess I mean Kevin, if you're okay with me to shift gears, uh, being in what, Grenada what where this, oh the stress. I mean being in an environment where if I was in a library cubicle looking at a brick wall. Studying for boards is already 10 times harder. But now if I'm looking yeah. at the ocean view and I'm yeah. watching, you know, stingrays jump out of the ocean, I'm a little bit more happy. So Are I you in Grenada at the moment? So I actually spent my two years there for basic sciences because I'm Grenadian by heritage, but I was born and raised here in the States. Um, oh, okay. It's the first time I left Grenada since 2021. And I'm right now I'm in Houston, Texas, living in a beach house with my friend, uh, his father's a physician. Hey, that's not bad. It's not bad either, right? <laughs> but uh, it's it's nice. And I think for what I miss the most about the island is having that environment of students who are motivated to work, having the resources and the professors there on site. Uh, but I guess now what I am curious about is what your experiences on the islands are. I mean, you've been there as a student and now as a faculty. You know, how do you enjoy Grenada? What do you enjoy to visit? How do you, you know, relax or how do you find peace, you know, in a busy career that we're in? Right. Uh, very good point. Um, listen, I love Grenada. I've been here for April will be seven years now since um, since I moved back. Uh, to Grenada, I was, I was a student here. Uh, what I have to tell you is uh, that uh, the whole uh, system of delivering academic medicine has been improved exponentially since I was a student. 
it has been uh, it has been amazing. Uh, we do really take into consideration all the students' feedback, and we try to apply it. Um, we we try to make SGU like compete with you know Ivy League schools in the states. This is what we're trying to do. Right, we want to take this to the next level. We, yes, we're one of the we're the best Caribbean schools, but that doesn't matter. We're competing with U.S. schools right now. We are the number one providers of uh, of doctors in the U.S. You know, if you really see the stats, um, the the delivery uh, of content, the the integration, the the constant update of the curriculum. And all the you know trials, tribulations that we've gone through to make this more approachable and enjoyable to students. You know, in the end, you know this is a medical school, right? Uh, you, this is not somewhere you come to, you know, chill and have vacation. It, it, it's medical school. Uh, we train you to be the best doctors you can ever be. Um, but still, we try to make this experience as a, as enjoyable and as stress-free as possible. You know, it is medicine. It's not an easy thing. Um, and you started, I mean, I have been here since, you know, uh, Belfort was not, you know, Belfort was not there <laughs> when I was a student. And even in my first two years uh, working here, it have uh, going to like being a state-of-the-art medical school, right? Um, we have uh, developed different committees, different services for the students. We are available to students uh, 24-7. Even if we're on vacation, we're available to students, right? And uh, I think students uh, do appreciate that. I hope they appreciate that. The feedback that we get is, is, is very good. Uh, you know, always we strive for improvement, right? We don't really be like, okay, we did this, this is cool. Let's just sit back and chill. No, we're just looking for the next step to make it better and looking for the next step and the next step and the next step to move forward. So we are a competitive medical school. The data shows that. Um, and always we try to find uh, innovative ways to deliver medicine. Um, you know, you... You were here throughout the pandemic, right? So you saw the online, you know, we, we developed brand new ways to deliver the material. We tried to simulate as much as possible being on, on campus while we were online. Uh, there was a great effort from all the faculty. Um, you know, we have three different time zones that we had to deliver and we delivered. Right? Yeah. No one can say that we did it. We delivered. Um, but I think... The most important thing, as uh, Kevin said earlier, it's good to be in a medical school environment, right? Uh, yes, we had a, a little bit of a setback with the pandemic. You know, we, we made sure it worked as, as good as it could ever work. But it's very, very important for students to be in a medical school environment, to see your callings, uh, to, to go into the classroom, to to take an exam in a whole, to feel that kind of like, you know, stress a little bit because, you know, medical school is stressful, but you need to kind of like hone your, your, yourself for what's coming in the future, right? So you need to have the standardized patients that you can go in and percuss or auscultate 
or you know feel if they have a heave or a thrill or just be able to auscultate if they have a murmur all those things are important and uh you know you have seen our new simulation labs and, and all those upgrades that we have done in this time, it's been amazing. And I am so thankful and so glad that all the students are back um, because, yes, it's easier being online sometimes, right? To It's 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 easier at the moment, though. You're not kind of training yourself of what's coming. like Because mm -hmm. when there's a pandemic and you're in the hospital, you don't do online. You have to be in the hospital. You have to wake up early. You have to get dressed. You have to take the train or the, the your car and drive there because you know what? Your patients are there waiting for you. So, you know, apart, you know, for making online, uh, online uh, teaching, learning uh, very, very good, you know, and you can compare it with other schools. And I mean, we're, we're on the top when it, when it came to online delivery because of the pandemic. But I'm very, very happy and glad that students are back. I love to to teach in front of uh, The one good thing is like you can see the eyes you, when you present a concept. You, <laughs> when half the eyes are kind of confused, then you know, like, OK, maybe I need to repeat this. Maybe I need to just, just like reemphasize it. You know, students are together, they're working together, they're not just isolated, they have their little study groups, you know, I have students uh, that work in study groups that come into my office, we work questions together, you know, it's it's much more lively, you know, you, you, you feel that you're working towards something, right? And then, you know, you have the great benefit of being in the beautiful island of Grenada, then, you know, instead of being in a big city, let's say, you know, You'd be like, okay, I need 30 minutes. Let me just go stand in front of Monica and just look at the ocean. Like the mental break that you get, it's it's amazing. Um, now, what, what do I do uh, for rest? <laughs> I don't really rest that much. Like I usually work every day, but I'm trying to... One thing that, that, that keeps me healthy and keeps me sharp is exercising. So I try to exercise as much as possible. Uh, you know, my my job is also stressful as well, and we need that outlet. Um, if I can go to the beach, I'll go to the beach. It doesn't happen very often. I can you can see how pale I am. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know yet. I have to do a leftist, but uh, I try to I try to enjoy it as much as possible. You know, there are times that on a whole weekend I will just take off and just relax. You need a mental break. You cannot work all the time. Uh, you need to be able to identify when your mind and your body needs a break, and you need to take that break, right? Yeah, there's going to be some times that you have to push through, but deep inside you, you will know that, okay, I need a break right now because everything is about balance, right? You cannot kill yourself, overwork yourself, Right to death, and also you cannot just chill all the time. You know, just have to be a balance in 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 everything, right? As an origin story, I feel very privileged that Grenada was the place where my academic or and my medical career began. Because to me, it feels like a city, but that city, everyone's trained to be a doctor or a vet, exactly. or in some capacity working towards medicine and having that community of everyone's working for a common goal is so uplifting and motivating 
and that origin story of this is where I started everything. Yes. I can't, I, I thank every lucky star that aligned that led me to Grenada, but I wholeheartedly agree. Grenada was a yeah. great place to begin. Yeah. And, and it was the, it was, it was the same for me as a student, you know, we all working in a, in, in an environment. Uh, I am very honored uh, to be a part of St. George University faculty because I do have a vested interest in St. George University because I was a student and I have seen I have identified when I was a student the difficulties that I had as a student, and I'm going and I'm trying right now to make those to to make things better for the next generation of students. I know what they're going through. I know like like you know when you're doing IMCQs at six o'clock, right? I know the students are tired. I know they're exhausted. I know they have so many things. I do know all that, right? But Okay, I'm with you guys, but let's try to make this better, all of us, right? So I'm always in the side of the students. You know, I'm, I'm always going to advocate for them. Uh, I'm always available to them for for anything. Like I said, I was a student before. I have been been through. Uh, I I'm so uh, glad to see that the university has been like skyrocketed from uh, when I was a student, and and, and and it's an amazing thing to see. Right. And, you know, to all the students, uh, um, you know, you should be very proud that you St. George University students. We have a very good uh, reputation when we go to clinicals. We were a lot with hard workers. You know, we we uh, we hustle to to do oh, yeah. the best yeah. that we can. You know, we'll stay over time. Only good things um, the attendings have to to say about. St. George University students. We're very hard workers and we um, we hope that we keep this trend and make it even better. Definitely. I, my last question, because um, mm -hmm. it just came to mind, as someone who's been here past and present, what's your favorite place to get takeout food or where's your favorite place to dine? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> uh, this is the thing. Like when I was a student back then, there was no container park. There was no options. Oh, wow. There was no options. I think in my last term is when they start building options. So yeah, the, <laughs> we're very, very lucky now to have all those different uh, options to, uh, to to choose from. Back then, I think it was only Glovers uh, and mm -hmm. Subway had just opened in New York Bagels. And there was on the top of the hills, there were like a couple people that they were serving food. Uh, right now we have so many different choices. You know, you want to go vegan one day or vegetarian, you have that option. You're going to go Chinese, you have that option. You want to go Cuban, Indian, Middle Eastern, uh, Greek, Greek kitchen. You know, I mean, there's so many different places. Uh, I do like, uh, I do like the Sherry's kitchen in container park. Yeah. Uh, I like their food. I, I do eat at Greek kitchen. Um, Aquarium, I love aquarium on the Sundays, and I always suggest uh, to to students if they want to take a, a a day off to go to aquarium around noon, go swim, and then go eat at aquarium. They have a live reggae band. Uh, it's amazing. Every Sunday is amazing at aquarium. It's like all the stress that you had throughout the week just goes out the window in those two hours that you spend there. Um, I envy that. I miss it all, but you can never get enough food from Grenada. That's for sure. <laughs> advantage of it now.
<laughs> my, my, my escape has always been uh, every like every Thursday, my friends and I, we've made it like a routine. I know we're going to sound like alcoholics, but we've made it a routine to just go and grab one beer uh -huh. on Thursdays. Um, we kind of started that nonchalantly during term three. And one case of beer or one beer? <laughs> just one beer. <laughs> <laughs> just one beer. Just one beer. Uh, but it's nice because like we're all, you know, like we just all finished. Like I, I made like a really good group of friends here and we study, we hold each other to a lot of accountability. And so, you know, on Thursdays when we're walking home and the day's over, we just stop at a container, we grab one beer and that's like our mental check. Like, hey, are you good? I can tell you're really quiet. Are you good? You know, like, are you are you mentally all right? You know, and it's just like a good, like quick reevaluation of how we're doing some self-reflection and then we just keep it moving. Um, but this term I've been a little different. I've been working out outside. I've been trying to go to the beach on the weekends to study a little bit on the sand. Um, just, you know, just having a different approach. Listen, you, you, you need that break. You need that mental yeah. break or, or else you can't go, you can't move forward. You're going to burn yourself out. And the recovery time, once you burn yourself out, it's so much longer than if you took intermediate breaks throughout. <laughs> so your morale yeah. is down. If you burn yourself out, you need to give some time to yourself. You need to sleep. You need to exercise. But all these things can happen if you are consistent with your schedule, right? If you have a consistency on when you study throughout the day, when you're going to do questions, when you go, if you have a schedule and you consistently follow it and you make a habit out of it, right? There's, there's habits, there's good habits and bad habits, right? This is a good habit to have. And once you form the habit and you follow it, then you find time to do other things and you have a balance in your life. If you develop a bad habit, whatever that is, let's say you decide on a Friday or on a Saturday to go out and get plastered, for example, right? You know, it's fun for the moment, right? Who says, you know, I, I was younger once, you know, we were doing that. But if you make it a habit to do it every week and then you need two days to recover, that's not a good habit to form. Everything in modern. Yeah, I'm 30 years old now. It takes me like a week to recover. I <laughs> know, <laughs> right? So my knee starts to hurt. I'm like, I can't balance. Week. You know, there's gonna there's gonna be those times that you'd be like, okay, in the next two months, I need to push myself a little bit extra. When you know that you have to do that and you don't dread it, you know that it's coming, you know that it's gonna be a hard time, you know it. You're not surprised when it comes. You know it's going to be hard. You know those for two months is going to be harder, right? You expect that. You prepare yourself for it. Um, then you're not as frustrated. If you know that something hard is coming, you'll be like, yeah, whatever, you know. No, if you know it's coming, you prepare yourself, you go through it, you do well, and then you deserve your break. But between, oh, yeah. you want your little breaks just for your mental wellness. And your wellness, your well-being overall. True. So our, our Zoom link is going to expi expire, but I think that's I think that's a wrap on everything, Dr. Colius. We, we talked Thank a lot you. about everything. Thank you guys for having me. It was very, very fun. I appreciate it. Anything else, you know, you want if you want to do a podcast be before the end of the term, just to keep you, um, give you some advice on how to move towards step, I'll be glad to do it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll definitely stay in touch. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Excellent. Coley. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys, and good luck with everything. Thank you.